0: ttm cast one-on-one with jeff baker every wednesday we'll bring one-on-one interviews with hobby professionals former athletes authors and collectors sponsored by certified sports guarantee go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win and by sportscollectorsdaily.com if it happens in the hobby you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com here's our host jeff baker with this week's interview
1: Are you ready? I am ready. Yes. Okay.
0: Hello, everybody,
1: and welcome to TTM Cast one on one. It is March, Drew, March 1st. I can't believe we got through February. The worst month of the world the the year, and we got through it almost unscathed. How about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, we got our a little bit of ice and snow at the start of the month, but other than that, we're we're hanging in there just fine.
1: Very cool. That voice that you heard on the other end is Drew Pelto. He is from Dallas, Texas. He is a TTM collector extraordinaire. He collects everything and everything. Make sure you check him out at DFW Graffer on YouTube. He does great video, of course. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He has all also great posts. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm your host of the program. We are all over uh, social media, right, Drew? We're on at TTM cast uh, on Instagram. We're on cast TTM on Twitter. We're on TTM cast on Facebook. We uh, post all our um successes our ttm successes out there we do i do an article every week in sportscollectorsdaily.com about ttming and autograph collecting make sure you check that out drew is is a author as well and always writes articles you got any any new
2: articles you're planning i'm thinking about a couple of them i got some ideas i'm kicking around and i've written a little bit of but uh haven't finished them up yet but hopefully i'll have something else i'm going up on uh, sports collectors uh daily there again
1: soon very cool. Well, we are, you're listening to TTM Cast one on one. We call it one on one because we always feature an interview, right? Your An interview with a hobby insider. We talk to former athletes. We talk to authors. We talk to anyone and everyone in the hobby. This is our, our big interview se- uh, segment, our interview show on Wednesdays. We have uh, an interview coming from Ezra Levine, who is the CEO at collectible.com. Drew, I finally figured out what BWIC is. Remember, we didn't know what BWIC was. From oh, Collectibles. yeah. Well, we got we got that. He's going to talk to us about BWIC. We're going to talk about all the cool things that are happening at Collectible, including the Mint Collective, which is coming up March 30th to April 2nd in Las Vegas. So we're going to talk to Ezra about that. Uh, we got a, a lot of cool stuff to talk, to talk to you about. But first, batting leadoff is it's Bobby it's happening hobby happenings okay hobby happenings drew's a
2: little dopey he worked hard yeah I'm, I'm yeah i'm i'm just yeah well i'm sitting here i've been writing out ttms for the last couple of days too so i'm just like my brain is fried right now
1: all right let's try it again ready, ready yes ready? let's try, ready, try this again i'm gonna serve it up and you hit it out of the park okay all right batting lead off is
2: hobby happenings
0: let's get the show started leading off we look at hobby happenings.
1: He's some man we'll give you a little update of what's been going on in the hobbies the last couple of days um uh, this is kind of a new new fun thing there's a new site it's called hobby daily news hobbydailynews.com they're having a soft launch and they're going to do a big launch around april 1st right around um the mint collective and all that kind of stuff uh, but we're going to be involved one way or another so make sure you check it out hobbydailynews.com it's going to be uh they're going to have a little news snippet news snippet every day like uh five or 10 minute news snippet every day and there's going to be links to different things that are happening in the hobby there's going to be all sorts of stories as well as links to podcasts and our link will be there the podcast so we can um have some there maybe we even might create some content for them right Drew we never know
2: yeah exactly I mean I definitely like the idea of uh having another good source out there for any kind of hobby news and yeah really glad to be a part of that
1: yep so make sure you check out hobby daily news and there's more to come on that well, Drew had um, the tops had their, um, what do we call it? dealer conference. Dealer yeah. Conference yeah. this week in Phoenix and they made an announcement.
2: Yeah. They've got a bunch of brands that they are going to be uh, cutting back and eliminating here. So the good news is I did not see heritage on that list. I know a lot of collectors out there have been concerned that they haven't seen a release date for heritage at all. And well, it's not on the list of ones that are going to be cut out. So that's the good news bad news is for anybody out there that collects these brands well you're not going to see them anymore and that's a uh, clearly authentic bowman chrome x gold label opening day first edition fire and gallery so uh kind of interesting there to see i mean most of those it's like i'm, I'm not big on a lot of them anyways the only ones i'm kind of sad to see gone gallery was kind of a nice uh it was tops's version of diamond kings basically you know with all the artistic yeah. kind of stuff and Kind of sad to see that one gone, but I kind of get it as well. Uh, opening day, I'm really sad to see that gone. I mean, that was a budget product that was great for kids to get them into collecting, and to see that gone, it's just like, oh man, that's uh, it kind of sucks. But other than that, yeah, I th- I'm not too surprised and not too sad to see any of those ones gone.
1: I think Opening Day had a lot of duplication from from the yes. series one, right? And I think that just they said, you know, we're gonna. I think they're just gonna print so many of the series one that like, we, do we really need another? opening day to produce the pictures of the mascots right
2: right yeah i mean there's i like the fact they had like some you know kid themed inserts in there and stuff, stuff that the kids would go for but yeah the base set was just i mean it was an exact parallel pretty much of the base set just without the foil with a little you know upper with a little uh opening day logo stuck on it there so yeah it was a little bit redundant but yeah that's about the only uh that's the only thing that i can really say there so kind of sad to see it gone but i definitely get it
1: yeah, and I think Tops is going to get back into basketball, and maybe even football, when the whole this these whole deals come to fruition. So it'll be interesting to see what they add. And um, the 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 president of Fanatics at this meeting said that there's a big release or a big news coming from Tops in about a month. So we'll hmm. find out. More about that, so that'll be interesting. Also, they announced that there's going to be a, a the the Bowman Draft Baseball, which is a kind of cool set. That Tom Brady is going to have a card in that set, and there's going to be autographs of Tom Brady in that set. So I'm sure that'll be uh, a lot of buzz around that. I'm sure there'll be pictures of Tom Brady in his Expos <laughs> uniform, right? Next yeah. Yep. Sketches uniform. That that that's kind of cool. So. Uh, a lot of news coming from tops is their their big week with their their dealer conference and uh we'll we'll if we will report on anything that's happening um on saturday's show drew we have i'm very sad about this we lost a friend of the show i've talked to Mm -hmm. him uh I don't know Four or five times since he was on the show. I'm talking about Mike Floyd. Mike Floyd uh, wrote the Bush League Blues, that book about his time in the minor leagues. He played in the uh, Angels minor league system as well as the Astros and Dodgers minor league system in the 60s. A really entertaining book. We had him on. He was a really uh, fun guy and it's one of those guys that that was just, we could just talk baseball forever he he, you just it, it was one of those guys drew that you just dropped a name he's like oh yeah i played with him in a el paso or i played against him in elmira or you know yep. he just he, anyone that played in in baseball in the 60s and 70s he had a, a connection to and he was a very uh personable guy and very, very vibrant if you haven't read his book i really highly recommend it it's bush league blues it's available on amazon if you want to listen to my interview with him, uh, it's in our June nineteenth, two twenty 2022 show, last year's show. Um, Drew, I might actually play it on one of the one of our Wednesday shows, play the inter- replay the interview because it was really an entertaining interview and it's kind of mm-hmm. timeless. But um, you can go check it out. Um, R.I.P. Mike Floyd is is. Um, for funeral i believe it's going to be this weekend uh so uh, i just he just passed away uh this week this past weekend passed away in his sleep so i'm um, so, uh, sorry to for your loss and he he was a a really fun guy uh yeah. drew we have a lot of um heritage results Herod joxton results that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks
2: yeah we've been uh, promoting and talking about all the stuff upcoming we finally have the realized prices on everything there but uh Got a 1968 Topps PSA 10 Mickey Mantle. I believe that is Mantle's uh, either last card or second to last card. Second to last card. Second to last card. That's right. But, I mean, that's a tough one to find in good condition because of those, you know, the kind of tweed borders on those 68 ones that uh, don't really handle wear very well. But the last one sold in 2021 for $214,579. Well, this one has more than doubled that price. The final price on this most recent one, $510 thousand dollar price tag on it so that's an increase of what like 150 180 percent on that card right there so hey check your 68s and see if you got one of those sitting there
1: yeah i know we have another mickey mantle uh result there was a 1951 bowman his true rookie card right we we would say that's his true rookie card the yes 51 bowman a psa version of it went for four hundred eighty thousand dollars. those are really nice looking cards they're the smaller version of cards so they didn't get wear down as much right but um, even a card a car from 1951 got a PSA 8, and it went for $480,000.
2: Another PSA 8 of the uh, more famous Mickey Mantle card, the 1952 Topps one. Uh, one of only 35 copies to be graded at a PSA 8 went for just under $1.1 million also in that auction. So 52 Mantle still drawing big money right there, even if that's, uh, I mean, even if it's not an absolutely perfect one, that's still a pretty nice uh, sale price right there.
1: Yeah, and lastly, we've been talking about this one for a little while, Drew. The 1916 Sporting News Babe Ruth, which is uh, considered his rookie card, uh, an SGC seven, went for 1.77 million dollars. This is all; these are all at the Heritage Auction. They're expecting it to go for about two million dollars, but still uh, not too shabby. 1.77 million for a SGC seven, 1916 Sporting News Babe Ruth. Well, Drew, we have some uh, new releases to let everyone know about that came out today.
2: Yes, one of my favorite products has hit the shelves. 2023 Tops Allen & Ginter is out. 300-card base set. And you know, they always have those random non-sports people in there or people from other sports. Let's make this, in show, there.
1: this set just for you. Just about, yeah. <laughs> and I mean,
2: the crazy thing is I never really got into it much until uh, my friend Chris started uh, getting a bunch of them signed. And he'd send me, you know, he'd say, hey, yeah, send off a couple of these. You know, get one for yourself. Send me one. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll do that. So i do that a bit with any of those that come through but yeah i'm interested in seeing who's gonna be in this year's set but uh 18 packs per box four cards per pack and running about 120 to 130 dollars on that one so probably see if i can find a blaster of that here pretty soon
1: we got new release from um from upper deck right it's a 2022-23 Opeach hockey uh, hobby boxes you get 18 packs 10 cards per pack you get one chase card per box, and those go for a very affordable $60. That's 2022 23 Opeachy Hockey just out. Hobby box goes for about $60. Those came out today.
2: That's three cards for a dollar right there at that price, which I mean, for new releases like that, that's pretty darn good right there. Yeah, really good. Uh, numbers from PSA over the last seven days, you know, we've been uh seeing they've been pretty close to hovering around a little bit under a little bit over at times. That a uh, quarter million cards graded in a week mark. Down 27% this week, 194,425 cards that they uh, went through uh, this uh, this past seven days. So off a little bit, but still, I mean, that's still the six figures. I mean, they're keeping pretty busy out there in California.
1: Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the numbers from SGC the next couple of weeks because they, they have that $9 special on the 2023 Tops Card Series 1 for $9. So I think that's going to take away a little... Um, Wind out of the sale of PSA and maybe CSG as well. So it'll be interesting to see what those numbers are uh, when we get those from uh, rate in the next couple of days. Drew, you got your resume all done, polished, ready to go. You're you're you 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 might you want, want to throw your hat in the ring?
2: I I I might look into that. There, I
1: mean, yeah, this uh, this could be an interesting job here that's uh, come open. Well, Bob Means, who's been on our show, has left eBay. He was the general manager for uh, for trading cards, and he's left. Uh, for other opportunities, right? That's what they say for greener pastures. Yeah. So they're looking for uh, eBay is looking for a general 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 manager of trading cards. You have to work out of their California office. So you might have to move. Their salary range is one hundred sixty-four thousand to two hundred fifty-one thousand dollars. So check out eBay uh, if you're interested. GM uh for trading cards. That'd be a nice job, huh?
2: Yeah, I think that would be. I mean, that's a real nice payday right there. Just, I mean, you got to have a good payday though to be able to live out in California. It seems like. So uh, yeah, that'll. Uh... It's interesting, though, that that's come open. So I'm sure they'll find somebody pretty good to get into there.
1: Do you, do you think you're going to get sleep in that job? That's probably not. 24 seven job, right?
2: Oh, yeah, at least. I mean, yeah, you're going to be on call every single day forever. You try to take a vacation, you're probably going to have, you know, have to have three different cell phones with you for uh, calls and everything that you're still going to be fielding during all that.
1: Well, Drew, I, I saw this the show listed yesterday. Actually, it's the CSA show. It's the Chantilly show, which is in nice. Virginia. It's March thirty first to April second, so the end of end of March to April second. Uh, all of, a lot of great signers there, including uh, Devonte Adams, who I don't think does many shows. Jamar Chase, so I don't think he. I've seen him doing many shows. John Hanna, uh, Marshall Falk. Go to csashows.com for all the information. Um, it's always a great show. It's one of the bigger big shows of the year. Um, so check that out Um, you know we'll we'll talk about more when we get more information on it on the regular podcast but it was kind of a cool show don't you think
2: yeah definitely i like that uh, grouping right there i mean i've got two john hannah cards that i need to get signed so i might need to uh see if they're taking mail-ins and if so see what the price is on him because a -er.
1: he doesn't sign through the mail he used to but he doesn't sign through the mail so that'd be cool well, that that wraps up our our, our hopping happenings, Drew. Um, I've got a I got the opportunity to talk to Ezra Ezra Levine uh, yesterday, so that would be uh, on Tuesday. And this so this this is hot off the presses, right? Hot nice. off the presses. Yes, we got a, a nice interview with Ezra Ezra Levine, and we talk about um, everything that's going on at collectible. Ezra is uh, CEO at Collectibles.com and Collectibles and he has been in the job for three years as long as uh, Collectibles has been around and we talk about all the cool things that are happening at uh, Collectible, including their BWIC auction which is the uh, the thing that Drew and I had no idea what it was when we were reading this, <laughs> the press release a couple weeks ago so he gave a nice, nice uh, tutorial on that we also talk about the upcoming mint collective and uh, all the cool things that are in line for uh, collectible.com so please enjoy my interview with ezra levine ceo at collectible
0: this week's interview is brought to you by certified sports guarantee CSGCards.com, for superior sports card certification and grading csg has new lower prices for 2023 That's right, CSG has new lower prices on its most popular tiers, while continuing to offer top-of-the-line service and the best slabs in the industry. With CSG's expertise, slabs, and pricing collectors will love, now is the time to submit your sports cards. See the CSG difference and submit your cards today. Go to csgcards.com to submit your cards for quick turnaround times and the best prices in the hobby. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at csgcards.com.
1: Guys, it's time to talk to an industry leader, a hobby specialist. I'm talking, of course, about Ezra Levine, who is CEO of Collectible. Uh, Do you prefer Collectible or Collectible.com, Ezra?
3: uh so we we go by collectible but if you're looking to find us on the on the web it is collectible.com but the the company name is collectible uh and on the website you can find this collectible.com
1: it's a fantastic website and company they've been uh going around going in business for about three years now Ezra is celebrating his third anniversary um why don't you let people know uh just what you guys do you know the elevator pitch before we get into the nitty-gritty
3: yeah, you know, so we started out uh, almost uh, strictly fractional ownership, right? And the, the, the idea behind that was to take iconic collectibles uh, within sports and make them accessible to collectors of all income brackets. We've done, you know, a tremendous amount of, you know, really iconic pieces over $55 million of, you know, fractionalized sports collectible assets. Some really amazing pieces on there. Will Chamberlain's 5960, home full working uniform, uh, mantle tops and very high grades, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's a really great tool. If people haven't experienced it yet. If they haven't uh, looked at the platform, if you're into sports collectibles, you're into collectibles, you know, of, of other varieties as well, there's really tremendous pieces, uh, which you can get exposure and, you know, and be an owner in where you don't have to be able to afford six or seven figures. So a really, a really cool, important innovation for uh, the collectibles industry, I believe. We recently expanded beyond just for action ownership. So, you know, really kind of taking the platform uh, and branching it off. So now we have uh, essentially a sealed auction platform where we take pretty, you know, pretty high value, not, you know, not crazy, crazy high value. Always but we take great items and we allow people to place competitive bids on them. So I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, we also do a bunch of live events. And I know part of the conversation today is gonna be all things mint. So, you know, we have partnerships to uh, produce and to put on really amazing industry events. So, you know, we, we have our hands in a couple different arenas within collectibles, whether it's uh, fractional ownership, whether it's, you know, f- effectively our version of an auction, whether it's live events and, and content, of course. Uh, so that's a bit about collectible.
1: You guys have been going for three years now. Do the items come to you now as opposed to you going out and searching items? Uh, you know, you've been in the market long enough that that anyone that has a High-end item, um, you know, is certainly a potential item for you and your investors and, and your and the people that are in your community. Or is it, Are you still having to go out and search new items to um, bring into your portfolio?
3: Yeah, almost every item that we have on the platform uh, is brought to us, which is which is a really great thing, right? And, and I think that 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 speaks to the the reputation that we've established, the various ways we're able to work with consignors and some of the really impressive results that we've been able to achieve. You know, we, we never really uh, went out and purchased our own inventory. I think with Fractional, we're able to offer a service that a lot of consigners really loved, right? One amazing, there's a bunch of amazing things about Fractional, but one, if you're the consigner, it allows you to not sell 100% interest in a piece. So you have, you know, uh, something that's a real treasure to you and you wanna get some liquidity out of it. Uh, you can, and you still can retain some equity upside uh, in the case of further appreciation down the road. So I think that's, I think that's really struck a chord uh, with collectors and, w- and with consigners. You know, and part, part of the vision as well of expanding beyond fractional was just seeing a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the inbound consignment flow that we were getting. A lot of it wasn't right for fractional, but we still wanted to be able to work with these consignors. We still wanted to be able to service the, the community in different ways. So now we've built, various tools to be able to work with different types of collectibles at different price points. And I think, you know, that just broadens our reach and, you uh, know, really is our way to uh, provide a valuable service to the community, even if the pieces aren't six, seven figures.
1: So if I have just uh, to bear with me here. So if I have a, a item that's worth a million dollars, but I don't want to sell it, but I would be interested in having collectible uh, take a portion of it, I could say, okay, is there a, Collectible takes 50% of it. You pay me $500,000. I own 50% of it, and then you sell off those shares to your uh, your clientele. Right? Is that how it works?
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Yep. So we we would you know we we would essentially we would essentially reach a price with you that we thought was uh, fair for both the consignor and for our community. We would then uh, get it securitized by the SEC. Uh, and then once it's securitized by the SEC, we would then offer whatever amount you do not want to retain to our community on um, collect. Right now, we're about a hundred thousand users, give or take, strong. So wow. uh, it's, it's a it's a pretty cool innovation, and you know I think it's something that that really has struck a chord with a lot of consignors.
1: I think when you and I first met, you guys were less than a thousand. So you've grown yeah. <laughs> incrementally over the last three years. Um, yeah. What what has surprised you most? Um, as your time at your time at at collectible, you know, you kind of go in with a preconceived notion of this is how the company is going to grow. And this is how I think it's going to grow. What, where, what will throw you the curveball the most in terms of watching the company grow from nothing to, to, uh, you know, a viable auction right now?
3: It's a great question. Um, A lot. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, for one, it's, you know, and you're right, when you start something, you, you you have your own notions and your own, you know, sort of projection in terms of what, uh, is going to work, and, and what hasn't. Uh, and a lot of times that plays out exactly as expected. A lot of times the exact opposite uh, is true. You know, I, I think one, one thing that has uh, surprised me when it comes to fractional in particular is uh, the amount of people who who don't uh, trade on the secondary market. So for, you know, for for, uh, for a little bit of sort of high level overview, you know, essentially there's two steps to fractional ownership. One is, Uh, you you buy a fractional interest in a collectible and then once it's fully funded it then moves over to trading right so think of like a little mini stock market if you will uh, for sports collectibles and what we've seen so far is that almost two times the amount of people will just buy shares uh, you know originally and then don't actually convert into uh, buying and selling and trading uh, in the secondary market, our little mini stock market. And that, and okay. that surprises me because I think, you know, for people who, uh, who are joining Collectible now, we really encourage people to participate on the secondary market because, uh, A, there, there can oftentimes be some really great, uh, attractive deals to be had, but it's also just a very vibrant, uh, really engaging experience. So people who do it, they love it. Um, and, you know, I've been a little surprised that, you know, not as many people have sort of taken to it uh, as we expect. But, you know, that, that's, that's one thing. And, you know, it's, it's also, you know, it's something where, um, you know, I've also been surprised at sometimes how, you know, the fractional ownership model uh, has lagged auction results as much uh, as it has. And I get it, Because sure. right? the, the, the auction market has been something that's just, you know, it's been as established as it is. Uh, and sometimes our prices, you know, on, on collectible don't always play catch up until, you know, a, a real result takes place at the auction. I do anticipate over time, as more liquidity comes in the fractional markets that I think you know just as people look at sometimes the, the stock market can be a leading indicator for what's going to happen in the general economy. Right I do I do anticipate that uh, will be true of fractional ownership that. Uh, you know prices that are being realized or seen or traded on fractional ownership will ultimately you know, kind of be, be realized uh, at, at, at auctions as well, the other thing on a more positive note that surprised me is. You know i've been very surprised, with the uptake of fractional in general right, so the fact that we have 100,000 people. To me, is, is incredible, right? Really incredible. When, when, when we first uh, launched, you know, there were a lot of uh, skeptics who said, you know, this is not going to work. Or a lot of people said, hey, you know, this is a true collecting community. This is not, you know, I, I don't think people are going to want to own something that they can't touch, uh, see, and feel physically or have in their personal collection. And I think that thesis has really been blown out of the water, right? I think people are now realizing, hey, fractional uh, is very much here to stay. People like it. People really, you know, find it engaging and uh, unique and fun, and allows them to get exposure or ownership to items that they either couldn't access or couldn't afford any other way. So, uh, I, I've actually been very pleased with our accomplishments, very pleased with what uh, we've been able to do in, in terms of uptake of fractional.
1: Are you taken back by the? Um, I don't know the 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 proclivity of uh, investors not to wanting to sell items so that if something comes up where you have an item that you're okay we want to you want to sell it back into the market so to speak and then you need the vote of the the shareholders to sell it but it seems like a lot of times that the shareholders want to hold on to that item and don't want to sell it and are not driven solely by um you know the the profit the profit and loss
3: yeah I, there, there are there are times where, where i am surprised by that other times you know i'm i'm really happy and really encouraged because you know, as much as I love producing, you know, some wins for shareholders, and I, and I absolutely do. You know, every time you sell a piece, that's one piece that uh, you you may never get again, right? right. So, you know, we've had a couple amazing offers, just for instance, off, off top of my head, uh, we got a three million dollar offer on a of Will Chamberlain 5960 home full rookie uniform, yep, which was, you know, it, it was it was it would have been a really strong uh, result for shareholders. You know, relative to you know the, the time frame in which we put it up but on the other hand i was happy that it was rejected because it means that, that piece is still with collectible and that's that's one of those pieces that you'll just never you'll you'll never see it again you know that that's going to be purchased by a collector who probably keeps it in his or her collection for decades and that and that won't resurface for a very long time so um yeah and look i also think it's a it's a vote of confidence and fractional right every time a piece stays in it means that You know, they believe in fractional, they believe that these and they believe in the market, right? They believe that the market will have continued upside to it. They believe in the platform, they believe in fractional and they enjoy, you know, kind of holding these assets uh, fractionally. So, uh, yeah, there there are definitely times where I'm surprised, uh, but but I, you know, oftentimes I'm actually happy when it gets rejected because it means that, you know, these amazing items still still stay on the platform.
1: Do you keep these items in a vault someplace, or where do you where, do you have them displayed? So uh, you know, do, is there is there a collectible museum or co- collectible show showroom, or you know, if we, when you when you go to the national, do you bring some of the, the stuff to display? How 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 is the the items physically displayed?
3: Yeah, all, all the items are are fully insured, fully vaulted. So we have relationships with all all the major vaults in the space. We actually struck up a partnership with uh, eBay. eBay is rolling out a vault as well. So we contributed six million dollars worth of trading card assets into their vault. They've been terrific partners of ours. We have done things where we put these items on display. We did it, I would say most recently at Art Basel, which is a major art fair, art show in Miami. We put on a really amazing collectibles exhibit at Art Basel that that was was pretty unique and fun to see. People are at this high-end art show and uh, then they kind of stumble upon a collectibles exhibit and having those conversations of how sports cards and comic books really are a form of art I thought was really cool and trying to introduce the world of collectibles to people who may not uh, otherwise have had exposure to it. That was really fun. Uh, We we did something at the National. We put a couple of really amazing pieces there. We put pieces on display at Fenway Park. Uh, We put pieces on on display at other venues. We're gonna have pieces uh, on display at the Mint Collective in Las Vegas. So yeah, always fun when, when you can do that. Always fun when you can take items out of a vault, for instance, and put them on display then to see the reaction of the people who own interests in these items in person you know i think when people see it 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 strikes a chord in a different way than when you just see it on your phone or in your uh, account on on uncollectible
1: is the collectible market as a whole has it slowed down and has it changed in the last six months and do you see a a growth for 2023 into 2024
3: yeah i mean there's definitely been pockets of weakness no doubt right and i think i think we're in a period of pretty healthy consolidation as, as i like to phrase it you know the market of the last couple of years uh it started before covid but i think you know that the common narrative is that there was a real COVID explosion and that and that very much is true you know and so you saw the pretty dramatic uh, rises in prices you know all the way from you know kind of base cards all the way up to you know really amazing trophy assets and now you're starting to see you know whether um you know by virtue of the economy, by virtue of the stock market, by virtue of hey, look, there just wasn't as much demand at those levels as there as there are at lower levels. You know, you are starting to see you know you know sort of a, a retracement off those levels, yeah. which for a lot of people is a, a really great thing, right? Because now 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 they can afford items or they can participate in the hobby in ways that before they were priced out of it. So I don't think it's a bad thing, but absolutely, we've seen you know a, a bit of back and filling. Uh, of prices but still right when you look at things on a multi-year basis i think the hobby is very healthy and i also believe that there's a lot of you know a lot of catalysts, positive catalysts that uh, are still coming I and mean, i was reading a piece by fanatics uh, you know the, the other day right fanatics wants to 10x they want to 10x yeah. the amount of collectors. very market, aggressive which would be which would be amazing right i think i think you know anyone who's a real hobbyist you know they 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 want the hobby to grow they want the hobby to succeed obviously they don't necessarily want there'd be a material change in their level of participation in the hobby but they, but they want to see the hobby grow especially if you have you know an existing collection of your own right as the hobby grows it's it's good for you it's good for collectors and so you know i'm, I'm very very uh i'm very pleased actually with the way uh you know that the, the hobby has reacted over the last year and obviously it was a very it still is a very difficult macro environment very difficult a very difficult economic uh you know sort of climate for a lot of people so i've been very pleased actually with with the performance of the hobby and i'm very pleased uh that you know there are major major companies collectible being one of them who are really rowing the same direction to bring the hobby and the collectibles market to uh, levels of prominence and success that i don't think it's ever achieved before
1: all right, Ezra, You have to do. You have to do me justice here, because I really murdered this one. When you sent when you sent me the press release on the BWIC, I read it and I didn't understand it at all. <laughs> and my co-host didn't understand it at all. So I apologize. <laughs> what? Give me the. What is the BWIC? I know you have a um, an auction going on in, uh, right now, and, and if you could. Give us the uh, the first grade definition of it, and say, "Oh, I want that's something I want to get involved in." It. And how do we how do how do us as collectors get involved in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So I, I'm I'm here to simplify it as much as I can. You know, really, the, the easiest way to think about it uh, is a ten day sealed auction. Right. So uh, you can go on Collectible and you can place a bid, just like you would place a bid at any other auction. You can place a bid. Right now I think we have 30 items uh, up for auction this month. You know, and, and items range from, you know, kind of seven figures plus to uh, ones that are probably uh low low five figures, right? So still, So, you know, so still- is
1: it, so so just let's say you have an auction say say well let's just talk to you have the 75 baseball, the Collins 75 baseball. And I know it's not in the auction, but just say that as an example. Uh I want to bid $200,000 on it. That's, that's my number. I just would submit that bid. Is there is it's a sealed bid. So there's not a high bid or a low bid or the, it's currently at this number. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. So, uh, in there's, there's, there's two rounds to it, right? So the the, you know, the first round and then the, uh, the, essentially the extended bidding round. So in the first round it runs for seven days and you go and you place one bid, right? So all bidders get one bid and one bid only the top three individual bids during that seven day period advanced to extended bidding. Okay. And extended the bidding uh, everyone gets one more bid uh, and one more bid only. And ultimately the best bid is presented to the seller and the seller. What's different about BWIC is a seller doesn't have to sell, right? So sellers will essentially, have, okay, here's what, here's what the best bid produced and they can elect to either sell it or not to sell it. So it's a, it's a process. Where we take in competitive bids, we showcase the assets, we market the assets, uh, and then we, uh, we essentially, you know, tell them what the best bid came back as, and they can elect to sell it or not to sell it. So a really, a really cool, uh, what I think is a pretty important tool for the industry. Uh, you know, this really came about uh, in two ways. You know, one mostly because a lot of uh, people came to us and said, you know, I don't really want to take auction risk uncertain pieces, right? I don't necessarily want to expose this to the public markets, but I'm really curious to see, you know, what the market can bring on it. So we've done a really great job so far of getting uh, great pieces that, you know, the, the, the market's really, you know, sort of speaking to, uh, and then the other came out of, you know, sort of our knowledge of, of the financial markets. And this is actually a process that a lot of investment banks run when, when they're trying to uh, sell, you know, any kind of asset, you know, they, they run a similar process when they're trying to get bids for a professional sports team, uh, you know, I'm reading about the Washington Commanders right now are up for bids, and there's various people, including Jeff Bezos, who are bidding on, you know, on the, on the football team, right, so this is a, you know, a similar process that's, that's run in the financial markets, where you, know, you go out, and you, and you see what the best bids are for a piece, and ultimately, sellers get to say, okay, I'll, I'll choose that one, right, so that's, 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 that's really, you know, at a very high level, what uh, bids wanted, in competition is we want bids and we want them to be competitive bids. And ultimately the, the the seller has the optionality to say, thank you very much. I'll take that one or thank you very much. I'm going to hold on to my piece.
1: What percentage of the first BWSC auction uh, actually got sold? Yeah. So,
3: so, so this is something also we're, we're trying as well, right? So we're only disclosing that uh, if both the consignors and the buyers want it to be uh, publicized. So, you know, in, in our first version, uh, we didn't have uh, any particular cases where both parties wanted the uh, final uh, price to be realized or the, the effectuated sale to be announced publicly. So I'm actually not not able to announce that publicly at the moment.
1: Okay. How how about, I know you have a, a BWIC auction going on right now and it's ending soon, right? Uh,
3: the first round ends in, I think, five days. Yep. And, and uh, after that, the extended bidding round, which lasts three days. Will uh, will commence. So everything's over in the next eight days or so. Some really really incredible pieces. Highly recommend everyone who's listening to this to, to check them out.
1: What are some of the highlights that are available? Uh, maybe one of the two lower price uh, options. And how does somebody go about bidding if they want if they're interested in anything?
3: Yeah, so so to, so to go about bidding, uh, if you just go on uh, any version of Collectible, whether it's the desktop version, so www.collectible.com, or you can download our app. Uh, you'll see at the top, there's a banner that says uh, BWIC auctions. You can just click on that, click on that and you'll see uh, all the items which are currently up for bidding. Uh, hopefully, we made it pretty user-friendly where if you click into an item that strikes your interest, you'll see uh, a button that says place your bid. And essentially, from there, you just place your bid. And uh, pretty, pretty you know easy at that point. You'll get an email confirming your bid. And, uh, and then you find out in the next couple of days whether or not uh, you've actually advanced to the next round. Uh, of okay. pieces of pieces that uh, would be I mean, so you know a couple of the really high-end pieces i'll start there and then uh talk talk more about others uh, we have an incredible incredible asset a lou gehrig arguably uh the nicest lou gehrig signed rookie card in existence It is absolutely beautiful it's created a psa4 uh, with an amazing autograph created an eight so a really special uh, piece there we have a couple well, a couple shareholder pieces in it so for instance we have a Babe Ruth, 1933 Gaudi, um graded in SGC8, which has beautiful centering. Yeah, that's yeah. a great card. That's a great looking card. If you're if you're a modern collector, we've got Mahomes. We have you have a beautiful Jason Tatum, uh, which is uh, a, a one of one, flawless platinum RPA, really beautiful. Uh, we've introduced a couple other categories. We have three comic comic book art pieces. right? it's so original comic art pieces. Highly recommend those. We have a Mickey Mantle 52 tops and an SGC 5. We have a Pele ticket collection. Uh, some other pieces we have a, a Ty Cobb a T206 PSA 5.5, which is, uh, in my humble opinion, it looks a hell of a lot nicer than your standard 5.5 uh, grade. We have a 54 tops Hank Aaron and an 8. Uh, if you're a photo collector, and again, we, we, we've tried to kind of uh, to, to diversify our offerings. So with that, whatever you like, hopefully we have something for you. We have a type one photograph of Bobby Jones, a really, really special piece. List can go on and on and on. Uh, we have a Pete Rose 63 Tops rookie card and a PSA 8, which is a beautiful piece. So again, the, the list could go on and on and on. We also announced a wine partnership recently. So we're offering some high-end wine on collectible. Yeah. So you know, you're know, you seeing the, the, the evolution of collectible. The various categories we're introducing, and, and the various ways that we look to uh, help consignors move, uh, or at least you know sort of figure out what their assets are, are worth.
1: You know, with anything new, it's sometimes it takes a little while for the market to to grab onto it and to get up to speed. Are you happy with the number of bids you've been uh, having in the, the first and second auctions? So far, yeah. I mean, you yeah, know,
3: it's 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 my job obviously to you know to continuously drive improvement and to. Find the things that aren't working, so we can improve upon it. But yeah, o- overall, very pleased, very pleased. You know, we, we, you know, we continue to have you know millions and millions of dollars of bids. And you're right, Jeff. You know, when you launch something new, there is an educational uh, hurdle which you have to get over. We got
1: over that on the fractional side. Yes, Ezra, uh, we, I would have, I would have gotten a dunce cap for the for, for the first one. <laughs> I was totally confused. Thank you for explaining that to me. Of course. Of
3: course. Yes, yeah, so we're 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 excited about it uh and you know I think the the quality of assets that we continue to get uh you know really really speaks to you know the the service offerings that we're introducing that are different, unique in the industry and hopefully just continues to just build out the infrastructure that is collectibles and make it uh more efficient and service people in ways that you know i think the the market has been lacking a little bit over the last couple of decades
1: well at the end of the month or march 30th to april 2nd we have the mint collective it's year two second year of the show it's in las vegas at the mgm grand uh what are some of the things that you have planned for the show i know you guys are the, the primary sponsor of it and uh it, 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 it went gangbusters last year it was everyone it was brave reviews so what do, what do we have planned for year two yeah, so, so this is
3: a brainchild of Collectible uh, and IMG and Endeavor are actually co-founders of this property. Uh, the overall vision for this was to put on, you know, a high level uh, show and conference that combines a marketplace similar to the, you know, the national, the Burbank show, uh, but also has a degree of, you know, kind of community and thought leadership and education to it. So, yeah, we, our first one was last year, it went really, really well. We were really pleased with how it went. This year, I'm thrilled to have amazing sponsors: uh, eBay, Fanatics, Panini. Some of the biggest names in you know the entire hobby uh, are going to be represented in a big way. A lot of the major auction houses will be there. I spoke to Heritage. Heritage is, is coming in a big way. PWCC will be there. Golden will be there. So, uh, whether you're a consignment shop, whether you're an auction house, whether you're a marketplace, whether you're you know an, an entrepreneur, uh, you know the, the the Mid Collective last year proved to be a, an incredibly valuable event to not only learn, to connect, to uh, build your business, to make all sorts of, you know, announcements. A lot of companies came and made big public announcements there as well. Thrilled to have PSA there. PSA is going to be offering on-site grading uh, on, you know, the more educational stuff. Uh, CSG is doing uh, essentially a grading seminar where they're going to give, you know, sort of a, you know, sort of a back of the scenes look in terms of how, Cards are graded and why certain cards get certain grades. I think that's gonna be something pretty unique. We have a whole panel on data in the industry and you know, kind of how to use data to your advantage. So, you know, I think, I think it's gonna be a pretty cool event. There's also a bunch of social events as well, cocktail parties and, you know, dinners and uh, all this stuff. So, you know, I, I think it, it'll be a special event that really combines everything you really want from a show, right? It'll be uh, in Las Vegas during the final four weekends. Yep. which is which, which in and of itself is a good selling point you're going to be around a lot of other collectors in las vegas during final four weekend i think and I don't, I don't have to say much more than that but uh there's also really great events you know come you know have your cards graded buy some cards sell some cards sell some other stuff uh, learn about the industry and learn about the direction in which the industry is headed uh and, and and get to meet a lot of people who you know maybe listen to on podcast maybe you haven't connected with in a while so i think it's gonna be a really a really great event
1: are you expecting a big crowd? And are tickets still available?
3: The uh, vendor booths are completely sold out. That those those flew off the shelves like hotcakes. So if you're a vendor looking for tables, I don't believe that there's any remaining. There still are some tickets remaining if you just want to attend the show. So if you go to www.mintcollective.com, you'll be able to uh, find find
1: links to purchase your tickets. Very cool. Well, Ezra Levine, see, I didn't mess it up, Ezra. <laughs> well, <there's no> time. <laughs> I, I want to thank you so much for your time today it's a, a pleasure to talk to you and learn get get caught up on what collectible is doing because you guys are uh certainly trailblazers and you're always trying new things uh what can we look for uh in addition to some of the like the bwic that you've a- added in the min collective what what can we look forward to from in the min uh from the collective collectible sorry in 2023 yeah, so what, what, one thing we're also doing, we're also
3: throwing uh, an auction, actually, for, for the Mint Collective. So we are curating the Mint Collective auction. Uh, it'll be in partnership with eBay on Collectible's eBay store. That's another uh, way that you can interact with a Collectible. We have an eBay store, and we're going to be running uh, an auction, which will be featured on the front page of eBay for about 10 days. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, uh, that's very cool. The, the deadline to submit your items for consideration to the auction is coming up over the next week. So. Uh, if you have anything that you are looking to potentially put in the auction for consideration, send an email to acquisitions at collectible.com and we'll, we'll follow up shortly with you.
1: All right. Great. Thank you, Ezra. I really appreciate your time. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make the collective this year, but I will be there next year. I, 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 love, it. In. I love it.
3: <laughs> always, always a pleasure, Jeff.
1: And thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you. Boy, Drew, did I feel stupid talking to him about the the BWIC? <laughs> I told him, I said, "Yeah, I, you have to make this for like a first grader," because I, I read the we I read the press release. Drew had no idea what I was talking about. I had no mm-hmm. idea what I was talking about. But it's it's a pretty cool uh, thing. So. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed my talk with Ezra. Ezra is a, a great friend of the show, and uh, he is—you know—he has the pu- finger on the pulse of the hobby. Um, he's doing it every day in terms of what's hot and what's in uh, from an investment standpoint. And uh, hopefully, you enjoyed my interview with Ezra Levine.
2: You know, I thought BWIC was just like a little piece of the eye chart for my last eye exam. There, nah, so I know. It's, uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> it wasn't—it wasn't made
2: for a couple of daunting obstacles like me and you. Well, Drew, it was Saturday we have a, a pretty good show. Yeah, we do. Got a uh, more from Clemente Lisi as uh, as we do every now and then. I guess you said he's we're talking some hockey with him, right?
1: Yeah, we're going to talk hockey. We'll talk nice. um, top series one because he'll be good. He, he's he's big into uh, buying the new stuff, and and we'll talk a little soccer, and uh, that's kind of cool. And then we also have collector Tony Swan. Who is the biggest uh, Carlton Fist collector out there? Uh, if you go to cl- carltonfist.com, you can see all his stuff. We're gonna talk to Tony about uh, collecting Carlton Fist stuff. So that will be on Saturday. And then next week, on uh, Next Week 101, we have. Lou Nanny got some uh, Minnesota North stars coming on the show. I like it. Yeah, Lou Nanny. Ready for this one, Drew? Lou Nanny played hockey at the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. four years in Minnesota. He He was done with hockey. And he, had, he, got, he got drafted by the Blackhawks. And they offered him a, um, a contract. And he said, screw you. I'm going to make more money in the business world. <laughs> so he went, he went and worked in the business world for four or five years. Nice. And then the Minnesota North Stars come to be a team. They get his rights for, from Chicago. He goes and plays, I don't know, 10 years for the North Stars. Then mm-hmm. he coaches for a year with the North Stars. Then he's a GM and builds the team that uh, went to the Stanley Cup finals in 1981 mm-hmm. then he goes and he played on the 1968 olympic team he played yeah. on the u.s team in the uh, world internationals and for a couple of years he played on the in the u.s team in the canada cup he uh, brought, uh, recruited her brooks for the 1980 olympics uh, right. the guy has done everything in hockey
2: he also has one of the best quotes that I have ever heard, too, when he, when he was working with the North Stars still. I'm pretty sure it was Lou Nanny that said this one. He said, uh, we drafted Mike Madano first overall to protect the franchise. We drafted Link Gates, who was a total nutcase, said uh, we drafted Link Gates in the second round to be able to protect Mike Madano. In the third round, we should have drafted a lawyer to protect Link.
1: <laughs> very good yeah he's a funny guy so that will be next yeah. week we we'll Lou Nanny from uh the Minnesota North Stars the Minnesota Hockey we're going to talk North Stars Hockey we're going to talk hockey we're gonna talk in- uh international stuff it's and Lou's a great uh signer through the mail so if you need Lou Nanny through the mail make sure you send off a request to Lou um that'll be next week on Saturday again we have Clemente Lise and Tony Swan um I think that wraps it up Drew you got anything else you want to talk about Nope, I'm totally good. I got
2: dinner waiting for me. So this will be uh, perfect timing here on uh, finishing up here. All right, pal. Guys,
1: we wish you many happy returns. We'll see you on Saturday. Be good.